Open your Bibles to the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, and verse 41, hold it there, and then I want you to go over to 1 Kings, the 20th chapter, verse 22. Glory to God. Luke nineteen forty one and first Kings twenty thirty one thirty four or twenty two rather thirty four. Let's turn over to the book of Luke in nineteenth chapter forty one thirty fourth verse. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, or which was needed for your peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round about. And keep thee on every side. And shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee. And they shall not leave thee one stone upon another. Because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. I want you to turn over to First Kings chapter 20. Verse 22, And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Go strengthen thyself and mark and see what thou dost. For at a return of the year the king of Syria will come up against thee. And the servant of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we, but let us fight them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And do this thing. Take the kings away every man out of his place and put captains in their rooms. And number thee an army like the army that thou hast lost. Horse for horse and chariot for chariot. And we will fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened unto the voice and unto their voice and did so. And it came to pass at the return of the year that Ben-Hadad numbered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against him of the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God, and spake unto the king of Israel, and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, but not the God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude unto thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched on one over against the other seven days. And so it was 
that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city, and there a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left, and Ben-Hadad, and Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city, into the inner chamber. And his servant said unto him, Behold, now we have heard that the king of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads, and go out to the king of Israel, pre-adventure he will save thy life. So they girded the sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant, Ben-Hadad, saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, Is he yet alive? He is my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him, and did hastily catch it. And they said, Thy brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go ye bring him. And Ben-Hadad came forth to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father I will restore. And thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. Let's pray and ask God to bless the reading of his word tonight. Father, we thank you for the word of God and we pray that you will move by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that your anointing will rest upon the lives of these people. God, may we be open to understand and may these lips speak forth uh, the words that you would have us to hear. Uh, For God, we are not here to exalt a man or to uplift an individual, but to magnify the name of Jesus. And we give you praise for all of these good things that you're about to do. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. And for his glory, we pray. Amen. According to the book of Luke, as we read earlier, there is a time of a visitation that comes from God. And as Jesus began to look down over that city that he had ministered in, and he had done tremendous works, and he wept over it, And he said, if you had only had known what it would take to bring about the peace that you desired in the city. But your eyes are blinded, for he said, you do not know the hour of your visitation. Now there's a time when God comes down and visits his people, when he begins to move upon them in a particular manner. And I have found that when the Spirit of God begins to move in this way, uh, and there's a great move and a great anointing and a power of God that is coming upon the people of God, uh, it's tremendously important to know what God is doing uh, and to know the area that God is moving in, be aware of what God is doing, uh, 
and allow yourself to become involved with the plan of God. Hallelujah. We've said this so often. One of the secrets, I believe if there was a secret, I've had people say, what do you feel the secret of the power of the Holy Spirit or the moving of the gifts of the Spirit is? And I've often said, I don't know any secret, but if I did have one, I believe it would be finding what channel God is moving in, and when you find it, get in it and flow with God. Hallelujah. Allow yourself to become involved with the Lord Jesus. Now, the Bible says that God moves, uh, even though it is the Spirit of God, uh, and even though God does tremendous things, He does do them sometimes in mysterious ways. Are you listening to me? And if you've ever read with any observation the life of Jesus and some of the tremendous things that were done, you're going to have to, you're going to have to agree with this. A lot of people wouldn't understand the things that Jesus did, nor why He did them the way He did. But in this story, in 1 Kings that we've read, it tells about Ahab uh, saving Ben-Hadad, the king, after a great visitation of God. It was interesting to me because here was the Israelites, and if you go on and read that chapter before uh, where we started reading it, you'll find that they had already defeated them once. And then the prophet of God came back to him and said, Prepare yourself because at the end of the year, then Hadad is going to come back and he's going to attack you again. But there were many of the people in that day, they said the reason why the Israelites beat us is because we were in the mountains. Uh, Theirs is the gods of the mountains. But if we get them down in the plains, we will be able to destroy them. And so when they got ready, and according to the word of God, as Israel pitched their camps, uh, it says that they looked like two little flocks of sheep in comparison to the tremendous army that they were about ready to encounter. How many have ever had that feeling sometimes? Glory to God. And here they were, ready to go against that army uh, and to fight it. And a prophet of God come and said, uh, There have been those who have been boasting and saying, uh, Israel's God is a God of the mountain and not a God of the valley. And he said, Because they've said this, I'm going to give you victory. So go in and conquer. Hallelujah. Go in and destroy. Go in and completely wipe out this nation of people. I'm going to pour upon you a great visitation. I'm going to put upon you one of the greatest moves you've ever seen, even though your armies are small and even though they're little. You're going to go in and you're going to conquer this tremendous, tremendous army. Now the Bible says they did so. They went in and they destroyed thousands of them, the footmen. When those who ran from them, they went in, the walls of the city fell upon them and destroyed all of those people. But Ben-Hadad, the king, had escaped. And he had gotten off all by himself with some of his men. And they began to reason together, and some of them told the king, and it kind of reminds me of some of the things that I've heard even today. It said, we have heard that the king of Israel is a compassionate man. These uh, Israelites... These godly people, they like to show love. They like to be kind. They like to help their neighbors. And so 
Maybe if we put sackcloth and ashes on uh, and tie ropes around our head uh, and go out to them in a spirit of humility uh, and break down before them, uh, maybe the king of Israel will have compassion on you uh, and maybe he'll save your life, O king. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says they came out in this manner, dressed, in sackcloth, ropes tied around their heads. And when they came before the king, or when they came before the king of Israel, they said, King Ben-Hadad is alive. And he has sent a message unto you saying, let me live. And the king said, is he alive? And they said, yes. And old Ahab, wonderful man of God, who knew that God was a compassionate God, a God of love, and a God that wouldn't do anything that might hurt somebody, said, He is my brother. Amen. And you might as well go ahead and say amen, because you just missed a good spot to do it. Hallelujah. He is my brother! Oh, I couldn't be cruel to this man now at his time of difficulty, at the time that he's begging me to die to stay alive. Now, I could imagine how he felt if the poor fellow was there in sackcloth and rope tied around his head. He must have been a sorrowful sight. Amen. Begging for mercy. Here was the king, dirty and beat, saying, let me live. But you see, God had already given a command, and the command was to destroy them, to wipe them out. Now, the thing that I'm saying here, you know, a lot of times when the move of God begins to take place, people have a tendency to allow their own emotions and their own feelings to get in the way and to keep them from doing what God really wants you to do. You know, I've seen people that have withheld rebuke, that have made friends with the devil himself, allowed themselves to become involved in something that eventually destroyed their own life and took away from them the very blessing of God simply because they did not recognize uh, the move of God in the time of their visitation. Uh, they let their own emotions begin to rule them. They let their own mind begin to control them. And they did what they thought was right instead of what God had already commanded uh, that they should do. I'm sure when Ben-Hadad was making his decisions, he was probably saying, well, you know, I think this would be the best thing to do. After all, I might get him saved if I spare his life. My, you're quiet tonight. Come on. You never know what might happen. And that's why we say so often it's important for us to find the channel of God and to see where God is moving. And when you see it, get into it and move with God no matter how it makes you appear, uh, no matter what it does to you. Uh, the Bible says that the prophet came to King Ahab and said, because you did not destroy this king, uh, because you did not do what God told you to do, uh, because you did not wipe him out, he said, now it's going to be your life or his. You see, this man allowed his feelings uh, and his emotions uh, and all of the things that are the human side of him uh, to rule his mind instead of the command of God. Kind of reminded me of King Saul when Samuel had told him to go out and to take 
the Madianites, I believe it was, or the Philistines. And he had gone out, and when he came back, the Bible says that God had told him to wipe them out completely and to destroy them all. When he came back before Samuel, the first thing he says was, I have done what you commanded me to do, Samuel. I have been obedient. Samuel said, God told you to wipe out the whole city. He said, I did. I destroyed them all. Said, well, God told you to destroy the animals and everything. Well, I did. He said, well, then what is that bleeding of sheep and the lowing of cattle that I hear in my ear? And it was interesting to me what Saul said. He said, the people wanted to bring them in and give sacrifice unto God. He didn't say, I did it. He said, the people. Now, you can say that Saul was using that as an excuse, but it could have very well been that the people did decide to do this. A little bit farther down, he said, I listened to the people. He said, I was wrong. I repent. I have done something wrong. Samuel, please forgive me. For he said, I listened to the people rather than to the word of God. What this man had done was allow his own feelings and his emotions to get involved in this thing. He had come to the place, well, you know, I'm the king, and after all, a king is a servant of the people, and, and I have to please them lest they may not vote me in again. Hallelujah. If you can't say amen, say ouch. I'll understand. But it's true. You see, the natural man wants to, to work uh, to benefit himself and to bless other individuals uh, and to kind of polish the apples uh, and to do the right thing in order to be with the, those that are considered to be in. But you see, God has given us a command and He said we're supposed to live and we're supposed to do according to His words. You know, this is what's happening in a lot of churches today. There are commands that have been made. There are things that God has said. There are rules that have been set up according to the Word of God. There are things and ways uh, and principles that God has put into effect uh, that govern the growth and the development of the church. You know, we're so afraid to offend somebody. Poor old Ben-Hadad. You know, I, what would I do? You know, I found a tool that the devil uses, and I found it in my own life. One of the tools that the devil uses more than anything else is to try to get you to put yourself in their place. <laughs> Come on. I've heard that. Say, oh, you just put yourself in their place for a while and see how you'd feel. Well, I don't want to put myself in their place. Come on. Putting myself into their place isn't going to help me nor help them. Hallelujah. What I've got to do is find out what God says about their place. Hallelujah. What God is saying about it. What God has spoken about it. And whatever God has said, then I have to find myself moving into that and recognize that while God is moving uh, and while His Spirit is moving, uh, I must move with Him and be obedient and do exactly as He has commanded You see, I've seen many tremendous moves of God that have started over the years uh, and they have been God's visitation, His time. But because of the fact that people let their own feelings, their own emotions, their own ideas uh, and thoughts begin to get into this thing uh, and begin to become involved with it and they started doing what they felt instead of what God said and eventually the power and the blessing of God was lifted up off their life and they lost it all. I remember during the Jesus movement, I was walking down the street in Hollywood one night. And there was a group of young people that were out passing out tracts and and, uh, witnessing for Jesus. And I saw this and I thought, that's great. 
And one of them came up and he gave me a track. He says, I want to tell you about Jesus. And I said, well, brother, I said, I know about Jesus. Praise God, I'm saved. I don't mean that kind of saved, that church stuff. He said, I mean saved where you're out here doing stuff for God. We don't believe in churches. I said, you're headed for trouble. He said, the church is doing nothing. And Jesus has saved us out of it. We've actually gotten saved. And now, he said, we've learned that we're not going to become starchy and bound by these stained glass windows like other people have done. And we're out here doing a work for God. We don't mean that kind of thing. You really need to get saved. Hallelujah. Now, the thing that I'm saying here, I believe those kids did get saved. I believe that God did do a work in their life, but they allowed bitter feelings, they allowed their emotions, they allowed other things to creep in and actually rob them of the very blessing uh, that God could have continued to place upon their life because they allowed themselves to get involved with it because God's Word clearly states that His church is going to write the last page in history before it's caught away. Hallelujah. I believe that, don't you? It's necessary to recognize God's visitation. His disciples. I was thinking about them that day as they were walking down the road to Emmaus. Now here they were in the midst of one of the greatest visitations that the world has ever known. For years we had heard about the Messiah. Now he had come, he had died, and he rose from the grave. And he was there to live in the hearts and the lives of men. And these men were walking down the road to Emmaus. And here was the Messiah, the resurrection, the living Christ, the hope of the world, the answer to every problem. But the Bible said their eyes were holding. And they could not see him. Now we automatically sometimes begin to assume that God had had hold in their eyes. But it doesn't say that. Maybe he did. I don't know. But I've often thought many times, because as I listened to their conversation as they were walking down the road, and this stranger came up behind them, and he says, what is your communication? What is your conversation that you're so sad? And they said, why, haven't you heard of all these things uh, that have happened in Jerusalem? They said, what things? They said, why, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Whom we uh, had hoped, whom we had trusted, uh, uh, he was a prophet mighty in word and in deeds. And we had trusted that it should have been he which should have redeemed Israel. Now what they were saying was, here was uh, Jesus whom they had said before was the son of the living God and the Christ. And now that he had died and three days were up and they didn't see him, they were beginning to say in their heart, well, uh, he must have been a prophet. We had hoped that He was the resurrection. We had hoped that He was the Messiah. But we must have been mistaken. Now here it was. He was standing right beside them. He was talking to them. He was speaking to them. God's visitation was there. He was getting ready to show them that in just a few days they were going to get together in the upper room and cry out to God. He was going to fill them with power and they were going out and do the same works that Jesus did. But you know what? They could not see it. When you get so bound by a trouble, that's all you can see. I found when problems come on me and I get discouraged and troubles begin to work on me, I can't see anything else. That's all I see is that thing. And I try to get my mind on Jesus and there it is. 
keep your eyes from recognizing it can cause you to miss the visitation of God upon your heart and your life, how important it is for us to recognize when God is moving. You know, it's interesting to me to watch men that come around and see what God's doing here in Arizona. I'll see them come in and they'll look at it. And once they do, and God is moving, and they can see a tremendous flowing of the Holy Ghost, you know, the moment you see the Spirit of God, and the moment God opens your eyes, and you're confronted with the power of God, you have to make a decision. You can't just walk off and say, well, it's nice. <laughs> Praise God that the Lord's blessing. But you have to make a decision. You are confronted with truth. You're confronted with reality, and then you have to decide in your mind, uh, am I going to get in this and allow God to do something in my heart and my life, or am I just going to go my way and do my own thing? God's visitation is moving upon God's people, and God expects us to see it and recognize it and begin to move with God. Don't let your... God, uh, try to lock God into your system uh, or into your way of thinking, into your way of doing things. That's why people have gotten trouble to try to lock him into this little thing. Glory to God. Now, it doesn't matter. We got the Holy Ghost. We speak in tongues, but, but we still burn candles and count beads and pray to the Pope. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do you do that? Because we've done it all our life, you know, and this is the way that we worship. And God doesn't mind as long as we've got the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues. Don't try to allow God into your way of things. The very thing that caused Ahab to lose out with God was because he's letting his own compassion flow. Well, after all, aren't we serving a God of love? I've got to show my love to that king. God said, kill him. Come on. Same thing with Saul when he brought back the king. Samuel said, why didn't you kill him? And when Samuel went down to the king, uh, he said, bring him out. And when the king came out, he said, surely the hand of deliverance is here. He thought since the prophet was there, everything would be all right. But the Bible says Samuel took his sword out and just whacked him in the pieces. Hallelujah. Said, if you won't do it, I will. What a vile old prophet. <laughs> Amen. Man, if I knew he was like that, I sure would have never been under his ministry. God is a God of love. But Samuel had recognized something. He recognized that the move of God was there and that God had made certain commands and that God sometimes moves in ways that you and I don't understand and that we can't lock God into some little capsule and say, because it's been done this way for 20 years, we're going to continue doing it this way. But we've got to recognize God's move and God's time of visitation and begin to move with it and begin to flow with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times we miss the visitation of God because we have our own idea of how God's going to do it. We've got it all figured out. This is what's going to happen. And if it don't go into that little channel, then we're sitting out here saying, oh, I can't become involved because that's not God. That's not the way I know God's going to do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God always. Everywhere that I have ever read throughout the Bible, he always did things differently. Came by surprise. He hid himself in simplicity. The 
Messiah, the one who was going to be the stem of David, uh, the deliverer who would ride on his white horse with a sword in his hand and deliver Israel from the Romans. Born in a barn. Amen. And what a hard pill it was to swallow for those that were acceptable in that day. If he's a king, why can't we see the evidence of his kingdom? Why would he live the way that he does? God's ways are not like our ways, and therefore our hearts and our minds which be keyed into the Spirit of God so that we can understand and know the flowing of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, not that which we would understand in our own mind, in our own thinking, uh, that the Lord will direct you. You know, every time I think I've got God figured out pretty well, or what He has for my life, not just God. I know I'll never figure out God. But, but we all get an image in our minds of how things are going to work for our own life. See ourselves down the road here and how, you know, we just know the way we think and how we're going. And surely God's just going to keep this up. And every time that happens, God pops your balloon and something happens and He, he does something totally different just to show you He's God. Hallelujah. He is in charge. Can you say amen? I was thinking of the man at the pool of Bethesda. For God, waiting for God to move in a certain manner. And here it was. This was a visitation of God. Everybody knew that. There was a certain time of day where the Bible says the angel came down and troubled the waters. uh, And everybody was sick. Uh, All they had to do was go down there and get into the waters. And they were healed. And so this man had sat down there by that pool... For years, waiting for his opportunity and his chance uh, to get down into that water. And when he was sitting there on his cot, Jesus came to him, said, Would thou be made whole? He said, Well, I would, sir. But the problem is, every time the pool is troubled, Somebody gets down into the water before me and and I don't have anybody to help me into the water so I just can't be healed. Here was his deliverance. That was Jesus standing right there in front of him. That was his hour of visitation. That was the power of God that had been sent there to heal and to set that man free. But he had his eyes on the pool. Well, it's worked like that before, and I know if I could get in there. Sir, would you just help me down into the water the next time he's troubled? Jesus said, no. But I'll do something better for you. Hallelujah. This is your hour. This is your time. This is your moment. If you can receive it, take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah. Be made whole. Brother, that was his time. That was his moment. That was his hour. And you know, I have seen it so many times that God is standing right there in our midst trying to do a work upon our lives, wanting to move. His hour of visitation is at hand. But God's time. His day of visitation was there right upon him. And I want you to know there is a renewing experience of God's visitation 
when there's a renewing experience, to rejuvenate our whole being. God comes down and begins to pour out His Spirit upon us and begins to do tremendous things and begins to cause the power of His Holy Spirit and to renew our spirit. Then it's important for us to recognize the thing that God is doing and begin to take our eyes off of those old methods and those old ways and begin to get in and begin to flow with God right now. Hallelujah. Allowing the Spirit of God to do that work in your heart and your life that He wants to do. Allow Him to direct you in ways uh, that nobody else can go. Never will forget hearing testimony of a woman who was a reject in every part of life. I don't even remember her name right now. I know Brother Mitchell would probably remember it. But she was a reject. She never was able to do anything in the ministry. She felt she had a ministry for God. She could never preach. She could never uh, teach. She just, uh, just an odd person. And then one day she had an opportunity to go over to the Philippines and she ministered to some men in a prison. And over there she started a church inside that prison and no one had ever been able to go in there or do a thing before that time. And that woman had a thriving church and an operation for God right inside of those prison walls. And God used her in that place. Hallelujah. Because she was willing to recognize uh, that her hour was at hand uh, and God had opened the door and placed her in this area. Now she could have had a lot of reasons as why she didn't want to go in there. You know, that's not a good place for a woman to be. And Lord, you could use something much better for me in a Sunday school or something like that. Amen. You see, every time that God is ready to work, Every time God wants to do something wonderful and wants to cause tremendous ministry to flow from the lives of people, that the devil is right there and will bring all kinds of so-called good things to distract you from seeing God's visitation. It doesn't always have to be bad things that the devil uses. We think we got that figured out too. If it's good, it's God. And if it's bad, it's the devil. Hallelujah. Oh, this terrible thing hit me. I know it's the devil. But many times when the Spirit of God is right there, ready to do a tremendous thing, the enemy will come about and he'll place all these things right in your path. And the only reason he's doing it is to get your eye on that. You know, Jonah, it was interesting to me after he had decided that he wasn't going to go to Nineveh. And he was walking on the road uh, uh, to Damascus. And, uh, and what do you know? There was a ship right there, just right in front of me. Glory to God, going somewhere else. And all I had to do was get out. must have been God that sent that ship. Praise God. The Lord heard my prayer and has given me this sign to show me that I don't have to go. Glory to God. So many times we allow our own emotions and our own feelings, just like Ahab. 
Right at the very moment when God had given him the greatest victory they ever had and wanted to continue on in that thing, here was this one man and he let his compassion flow and think, well, this is my opportunity to show the love of God to this man. But in doing it, he actually brought destruction to his own life. Brought destruction to his own way of living because he went by his own thoughts. Hallelujah. God moves in mysterious ways. And I have a strange feeling tonight that the Spirit of God is moving upon the hearts and the lives of many. And there's some of you here that are in the presence of God in this service that the Spirit of the Lord is preparing and beginning to do something in your mind that you have not yet experienced unto this day and to release unto you ministry and power. And because of this, the enemy is going to bring before you a position of compromise. I had no intentions on speaking on this subject tonight, but when I was back in my room seeking God, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with me about it and said, I want you to do that. That the enemy will bring forth, and he'll always make it look like what you're doing is the right thing, and this is why you ought to do it. You know, it's, it's better to have peace. Man came to church one time that I was pastoring and he said, Brother, he said, I, I want you to pray for me because I'd gotten on him about not being in church very much. And he said, Well, I want you to pray for me. He says, My wife won't let me come. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that just almost knocked me off my feet. And I said, You're what? He said, My wife won't let me come. I said, What has she got to do with it? He said, well, she just fights me and hassles me. And, and I said, she's supposed to be a Christian. I know, but she wants to stay home at times. And she tells me if I love her, I'll stay home to show her that I love her. And I said, brother, when you stand before God and give an account for your life, you're not going to say, oh, God, uh, my wife wouldn't let me go. You're going to give an account for yourself. He said, I know that, brother, but he says, you've got to have peace at home. You can't sit there and live in a battle all your life. It'll just bring total destruction to you. And I said, you might think you have peace at this moment, but I said, eventually, it's going to bring total destruction to you. Because you never gain a, a battle over the enemy by compromising. When you compromise is when you lose. And that's what happened. Ahab had a victory, but then he compromised uh, and he spared the life of the king. And because of it, he ended up losing his whole life. And he didn't drop dead right there. The Bible said afterwards, after he heard the prophecy, he went back to his home sorrowful. And he lived for some time. But you see, that God had given the prophecy, the hand of God had moved in action, and he could not change it because of the fact he had missed his visitation. He had moved in his own way instead of God's. If I could only impart, I feel inadequate to impart to you the inner feelings that I have along these lines of dedication. It's a simple thing to say, dedicate yourself. It's a simple thing to say, be committed. It's an easy thing to say, flow with God. But it's something you've got to feel down inside of your heart. 
and inside of your soul because there are many that are sitting here right now in the sound of my voice who are hearing what I have said and yet will go out and when the opportunity comes and the time comes, they will begin to exercise their own will and their own thinking instead of what God is really moving and doing upon their hearts and their lives. Because even at this very hour, their eyes are blinded and holden to the things God wants to do in their heart and their lives. Can you say amen? People toy with this like, like it's a game. Well, it won't hurt me to do this. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I can think the way that I want to think and you can think the way that you want to think and we can all be together and everybody will be happy. One big happy family. We don't have to agree with everybody. I mean, this isn't going to hurt. Where did you get that idea? Out of the scripture. Stop and analyze some of those thoughts that come to your mind. Where did they come from? Some say, I think this won't hurt, and I think this, and I think that. The thing is, it doesn't matter what you think. That's not important in the eyes of God at all. I can't imagine the Lord while somebody says, I just don't think that this will hurt, and I don't think that that matters. I can't imagine the Lord at all stopping His program and saying, Oh, I'm very sorry. I didn't realize that you didn't agree with this. Well, you just go ahead and do it your way. Amen. There's a plan that God has made, and we have to fall into it, line up with it, and become totally obedient to those commands that God has made. And when those individuals are standing back and making those kind of statements and remarks and conducting their lives in that way uh, and doing it according to their own feelings and their own emotions. Brother, I've seen love destroy more people than uh, so-called love uh, than any other thing in the world. Glory to God. I walk into some of these things that we call charisma or glossolalia and I think I've walked into a Hollywood studio. Amen. Everybody's darling, honey, sweetheart. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Patting on the back. Smiles and teeth. <laughs> Glory to God. But you see, their spirits do not line up with a smile. Oh, isn't aren't they wonderful? Isn't it just wonderful? Isn't it just wonderful? Listen, I think God wants us to be real. Hallelujah. In my family and in my home, I find that, that our children, uh, and they love one another, every family runs one another. But brother, there are times when they don't show love. And you have to get right down to it and nail them in the, uh, right down on the seat and say, look, this is the way it is. And if I came home one day and saw each one of them bowing down to each other and pulling the chair back and saying, let's do this, man, I'd get suspicious right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. I say, something's wrong. Glory to God. <laughs> They're trying to hide something from me. Amen. And you know what happens in the church? All smiles, all talk. It's all wonderful. Oh, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. I let anybody do anything they want to do. Let them say anything they want to say. Let them have any position they want to have. Just keep them happy. That's the best way to make your church grow is to pick out every devil that comes in and put them in a position so they'll have a job and they'll stay. Amen. But in doing it, you're bringing destruction to your own life and to your own church. 
Because there are certain things that God has said that we must do and we have to line up to the work of God. Can you say amen? The very thing that kept this city from God's visitation. When Jesus looked out over it and began to weep and began to cry and said, oh, if you only would have known. If you would have only known uh, uh, what was the necessity for the peace in your city. But he said, because your eyes are blinded, you could not see it. You have missed the hour of your visitation. Uh, The very thing that kept this city from God's visitation was caution. Think of it. Caution. Listen to everybody. We can't just jump in with this Nazarene hook, line, and sinker until we're absolutely certain. Until we're sure. We know that he has power, but the devil has power too, you know. And so let's stand on the sidelines and let's watch and let's see. But you see, when you stand back and not get in and become involved with the move of God, brother, your eyes will never be open to what God is doing. They were cautious, and I believe they probably had a lot of good feelings and good reasons in their own hearts and in their own mind. But the whole point of the thing is that we do not govern our spiritual lives by our own thoughts and our own minds. We govern it by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And they listened to others. They listened to people who said, That's not the Christ. He hath a devil. He is a belly of Belzebub. Why listen ye to him? And all of these things went on. And then they heard others say, Well, it is God. And others say, well, it isn't. And so they say, well, we don't know. Uh, we'll just stay back here in a neutral position. That way we won't get hurt. It reminded me of the man that I heard about during the Civil War that didn't get on either side. He didn't believe in either side. So he wore gray pants and a blue coat. And he got shot at from both ends. Hallelujah. And you know, that's what happens to a lot of God's people. Instead of taking a stand for God, yet they won't take a stand against Him. They just get in the middle and allow their eyes to be blinded and holded and not become totally involved with the things of God. And they actually just stay there in limbo and miss their hour of visitation. I have seen churches that have gone on for years like that, just stymied, because they would never, never dare to go out and conquer something for Jesus. Hallelujah. Lady came to me one time and said, Oh, brother, I want to do more for God. I want to be used to the Holy Spirit, and I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate in my life. But I'm afraid that if I do, that it's liable to be the flesh, it's liable to be me, and if it's the flesh, then it'll end up killing me. I said, Well, you're going to die anyway, so you might as well go ahead and get it over with in a hurry. She said, what do you mean I'm going to die anyway? I said, if you sit still and do nothing, you'll die. The four leprous men sitting outside the gates, they were faced with that dilemma. And they knew that if they didn't get something to eat, they're going to die. They said, if we stay here, there's a famine in the land, we're going to die. And they said, if we rise up and go into the Syrians, they might kill us. But they said, if they do, we shall but die. <laughs> what, what, what have we lost? We're going to die sitting here of starvation. And it's better to have a dagger in your heart than to die of starvation and go through all that pain. So they said, come on, let's fall into the host of the Syrians. And if they do save us and put us in jail, we live, we've gained something. But if they kill us, we just would die. We haven't lost a thing. 
Some people are so afraid, bless God, if you go to the Foursquare Church or any kind of a Pentecostal church, you're already numbered as a holy roller. Hallelujah. As a fanatic, as some kind of an radical, so you might as well go ahead and be one. Hallelujah. If you're afraid it's going to kill you, well, it'll kill you anyway if you just sit still. So what choice have we got to move? Hmm. Hallelujah. Reminded me of Israel when they came in. And and I had a man come to me when he saw how Israel had come over. And he said, I, I was looking at this course in the Bible and how they come all the way around. And he said, the big obstacle of them getting into the promised land was that river Jordan. Now, he said, if they would have come in this way, he said, they wouldn't even have to go around and cross the river. He said, why did God lead them around there to cross the river? I said, because I believe, in fact, the Bible says that. If they would have come around the other way, the first time the enemy hit, they would have tucked tail and went back where they came from. But now that they came around all this long way around, they didn't know where they were at. They found God. And the river was parted. And they walked over. And the river closed. They were forever committed to fight or to die. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They didn't turn back and run now because they were over there and were stuck. Glory to God. And I believe that's what God wants out of you and I today is begin to get into the move of God and not with caution or reservation saying, I want to go so far, but I, I don't want to get off in myself, but just get out there. Hallelujah. And then you know what's happened? You have total dependence upon God. There's no turning back now. Praise God. You've burnt your bridges. You're out there. It's either fight or die. Hallelujah. Come on. It's fight or die. It's like an eagle. It's made to fly. That bird was created to fly. And you know, a mother eagle, I was driving out in the country one time. It was interesting to me when I was driving and I saw this mother eagle and she had these eaglets on her wings and they were just hanging on for dear life. And she flipped over and dumped those babies off of her back. And I watched this sight and I'll tell you, you have never heard a scream like that until you've heard a baby eagle scream when his mother throws him off his back. Just a blood curdling screech all the way down. Flapping their wings and doing everything they can to keep going. And most of them get going, you know. And they take off. But there's one who didn't. And that mother just swooped down and caught that baby on her back and went off with it. Glory to God. That was amazing to me. I don't know how in the world they do that. And you know, I got interested in that. I read about it. And they tell me that a mother eaglet, well, eagle will let those baby eaglets fall five times off of her back. And if that baby doesn't fly on the fifth time, she won't sweep down and catch it, but she flies off and let him crash into the rocks and kill himself. Because what good is an eagle that can't fly? It's fly or die. Come on. That's our opportunity. God has made an eagle to fly, and if an eagle don't fly, he's as useless as anything that... Uh, well, I'm not going to say that. Hallelujah. But he's useless. Glory to God. Because we have been made to do a work for God. If we do not enter into the fullness of God, our lives become useless. Therefore, it cannot be governed by our own thinking or our thoughts, 
but rather entirely by the Word of God and by the instructions of His Holy Spirit without fear of being uh, destroyed without fear of being humiliated, without being fear of being looked down upon, just a bold exuberance for God according to His Word, not according to your thinking, uh, moving forth in the power of Jesus Christ. And God will do things in your heart and your life. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Let's lift our hands to Him. Let's praise Him. Oh, exalted he is exalted lift your hands with me let's sing that chorus to him he is exalted he is exalted he is exalted on high hallelujah he is exalted he is exalted he is exalted on high I believe God has brought us together that He might minister unto our needs, that He might speak to our hearts, that He might give us the desires that are within us. And while we're praying, and there's nobody looking around in reverence to God, 
I want to know how many here tonight will be honest with God and say, Brother Messler, I feel that I need to make a definite decision for Jesus. I'm, I'm not in the place that God wants me to be. And I'm not being like Ben Haydad, just looking out to save my own skin. I know that I need to be saved. I want to get right with God. I want to make a decision for Jesus tonight. Because I know that if I had to stand before Him and give an account for my life, I'd be found wanting. And I need to accept Him right now. Would you just slip up your hands and say, pray for me. I need to, to know Jesus and I want you to remember me in your prayers quickly. Slip it up and slip it down. Saying, pray for me, brother. God bless you. Yes. Are there others? Slip it up and slip it down. Saying, I need Jesus tonight. I need Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just between you and God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you don't agree with what we're doing, but respect what we're doing anyway. Hallelujah. Shantari Maromo Masaya. Are there others here tonight? Would slip up your hand and say, Yes, brother, I need Jesus. I know that my life is lost and that I'm without God. And I feel there's some of you here right now that you've been caught in the clutches of the enemy. And by a spirit of deception and a spirit of error, you've been led into something that is not of God. And it's going to destroy your life. It's going to wipe you out totally without God if you don't make that correction and see that Jesus is the answer, the Word of God is, is the answer, and be willing to give your heart and your life to God. I can feel that pull. I can sense it just as sure as I'm alive right now. God's speaking to some hearts that have been caught up in some things that are totally destructive. And He wants to save you right now. He wants to change your life. Are you willing to let Him do that? Would you slip up your hand and say, Yes, brother, I need Jesus. I need to be saved tonight. I want that quickly. Quickly. Slip it up and slip it down. We're not going to take a lot of time, but I cannot close without giving an opportunity for men and women to come to Jesus. Praise God. Slip it up and slip it down. Maybe there are those of you here you say, brother, I have made a decision for God, but I'm not in the place that I should be. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for Jesus now. And I know even though I have been saved, if I died, I wouldn't be where I should be. I, I know that I'd be lost because I'm a backslider. But I want to get that thing straightened out tonight quickly. Slip it up. Slip it down. Say, yes, I need Jesus. Come on. If God's speaking to your heart, this is your hour of visitation. This is your moment. God has brought conviction upon your heart because He's concerned about you. And because He wants you to be saved. But what you do with it depends upon you and can depend on your entire future from this point on. Are there those that are willing to lift your hand and say, Yes, brother, I need that. Quickly. Quickly. I want you to just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, nobody looking around except those that lifted your hand. Those that lifted up your hand, would you just open your eyes and look at me? Hallelujah. Those that lifted your hand, nobody else. Did you mean it, brother? Did you? You didn't? You did. All right. I believe you. I want everybody to pray except this 
man that I'm talking to right now. As we sing that chorus right now, He is exalted. He is exalted. I want you to do something for me. I want you to just stand your feet. Come right down this altar here and kneel. God's going to change your life. God's going to move upon you right now as you do it. Hallelujah. Sing it with me. He is